Shabbat Shalom. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with your commandments and told us to immerse ourselves in the words of Torah, drown in it, take a bath in it. Blessed are you who teaches those words to his people Israel, and now to the ones grafted into. Amen. <clears throat> I always think of mikvah when I say that blessing, you know, take a mikvah and the words. Um, today's portion is Vayera. It starts in Genesis 18, and it goes to tw the end of 22. It's five chapters, and it's not the longest portion around, but it has a lot of action in it. I'm not, I, don't, I don't need to expound on chapter 18 because we're going to get to hear about that from uh, and get blessed by Brother Daryl here. So I don't have to do that one. I'm going to do... Vaeda means appeared, by the way. Um, and I'm only going to say one thing about chapter 18. If some of you know one of the rabbinic methods of uh, study the Torah of uh, expounding the verses is the law of first mention where you apply the pashat. Pashat. That means the first time that something shows up in the Torah, that is its truest and simplest and purest uh, teaching, and you should take it literally. So, the only thing I'm going to say about that, about 18, is. This is the first place outside the garden where God shows up in a way that everybody can talk to him. He talks to them, they talk back, or they laugh, as the case may be, Sarah's case. This is the first time outside the garden that God came in a way that everybody could be comfortable with him. And everybody in this, not just chapter 18, whole portion, engages with God at a level that they're comfortable with him. So verse 1 says God shows up. Verse 2 says what he looked like. Pashat, right? What does he look like in verse 2? Three people. Three persons. The rabbis have decided, guess what? The Peshat does not apply here. <laughs> Enough 18. We're going to hear wonderful stuff about 18 in a little bit. So I'm going to go 19. God bless them. <clears throat> I propose to you that this entire, this entire Torah portion is about a loving God who personally gets involved with every person in this book. A God who doesn't let anybody go through anything alone. And most people go, wow, isn't this where he burned down Sodom and Gomorrah? Isn't that the, isn't it where he, he cursed Abimelech's house and nobody can bear? Isn't this the one where he told Abraham, eh, offer your son as an Allah? I still say this is where God shows himself personal. Even in Saddam, when we go look at chapter 19 and the story of Saddam, we'll, we'll just look and move on. We'll only spend a little time at the end of this portion in 22. But ha go home, study, read 19. How did God do the deliverance that he did in Saddam? Was there an angry, vicious God of the Torah hanging out in the sky going, you guys better run or I'm going to hit you. You're going to get burnt. God 
shows up. They call him Anashim. They call him Malachim. The people, the angels, the whatever. He shows up in person. And he goes to the place that's full of sin. And he goes personally in the house where he's going to save. And he invites them personally. Some receive, some don't. Personally to come out with me. And he risks his life. Because we know if you read the story in detail, go home and read it. Uh, there were men outside the door of the house of Lot who said, we want to have our either sexual violence, physical violence with these men given to us. Lot even offered his daughters. They risk their life. They go to a place where they can be killed. And then how did they save the house of Lot? Personally, read the words. It says in, I'm going to find what line it was in, verse 16. It says, when they took them out, God wasn't yelling from heaven, you better run, I'm giving judgment. I'll save you if you go fast enough. How did he take them out? Look, by the hand. It says they, he took Lot. He took Lot's wife. He took his daughters, these two men. In this case, it's two Anishim. Person by the hand and pulled them out, took them out, saved them personally, took them from danger and sin to salvation himself. In the middle of the stuff coming down, he took them out personally. That's how God, that's evangelism. That's how God saves people personally, not shouting vindictiveness from the heavens. And if you think about it, Lot's wife who turned around and stuff happened to her, as we know, and the Israelis will still point to, it depends which tour guide you ask, which pillar is Lot's wife. I've bicycle camped, hiked everything down by the Dead Sea, so I could point you six of them. depends which tour guide talked to me. For that to happen, what would she have had to do? They're holding her hands. They're taking her, her daughters, her husband out personally. What would she have had to do for that to happen? She had to let go. She had to make a choice. I don't want what you're offering. I want what I had. God wasn't being mean. This was a person making a choice in the face of the offer of salvation. <clears throat> we'll move on from that. Then we know we'll go real fast. The next story is about Abimelech and Gerar. And, uh, well, the, the next story real shortly is about Lot's daughters who get him drunk, misuse him, so they can have children with him. And then the next one is about Abraham and Sarah. This is my sister. What all that Mishigas and Abimelech doesn't know, so he takes tries to take Sarah into his harem, and God comes to him personally in a dream. Again, it's personal, not in a way that would scare him. He came in a dream and said, "This man's a prophet, and this is his wife, and you need to let go of her." We have three examples in this one portion of women in the, the ancient Middle Eastern desperation of having kids. We see Asara initially who couldn't have kids, and we know how she dealt with that initially. First she laughs at God, then she gives him uh, Abraham, her handmaiden. She tries to help. <laughs> then we have Lot's daughters who are desperate to have children, and we see what they did, which was even worse. But then we see it done rightly, and by the way, the person who done rightly, did it rightly was outside the covenants. This was a Gentile. This was Abimelech. Our example is a Gentile. Abimelech, this is the right way. Abimelech hears from God. He goes to the man of God. They resolve their differences. Abraham prays. And everybody gets blessed. Abimelech's house is open. His wives have children. And what also happens? Sarah conceives. That's how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to hear from God. You go engage the man of God. You, prayer 
Everybody gets blessed. Well, this all helped God along. I don't trust. That doesn't work so good. I want to spend a little bit time on the end. That's all. The Akedi Yitzchak. The, uh, the binding of Isaac. They don't, the rabbis don't call this one the trial of Abraham. They call it the binding of Isaac. And um, this portion, this part of this portion, probably has more commentary than any other portion in all the Torah, except maybe for the Yetzirah and Mitzrayim, you know, the exodus from Egypt. Tons of commentary and lots of tradition. We don't have time. But I'll tell you what, I'll name what some of the objects are that have halach, a tradition uh, wrapped around them. The donkey, the young man, the ram that got stuck in the hedge, the shape of the wood, who was talking, did Isaac die? Torah is very explicit, he didn't die. The ram's horns and every other, the, the rabbis have traditions wrapped around everything in this story. You, can, you could spend hours, days in the midrasha and get very dizzy. <laughs> Looking at all the arguments, and it gets worse if you try to go in the Talmud because the Talmud has a lot of commentary too. So I'm only going to tell you maybe two, three of them, and then we're going to look at the verses themselves, and then I'll read them. First, one of the first ones, some of these animals must be really old. Tradition says that that donkey, the Hamor, is going to live long enough. Moses is going to ride this donkey, and sometime in the future, Mashiach himself is going to ride this donkey. <laughs> Amen. I mean... Supposedly, he survived the flood. He's an old donkey. Okay. <laughs> they, this is not the one, this is not the donkey that saw the angel and talked. This is a different one. Okay. Then the ram. There's tradition. This is a very old ram. He was, according to the rabbis, this ram was created on the first Shabbat, at the last thing that God made at the end of Er Shabbat, a creation. And this thing survived the flood, rode the ark. <laughs> And it won't survive till Mashiach comes, but its horns will, according to this, according to the commentaries in Genesis Rabbah and Parashat Veira and all these other things. It says the horns will be kept. One of them was a shofar used in the noises in Exodus, but the longer one is going to be kept till the Mashiach comes. And when we hear the Tekiagadol, is this ram. That's what they say. It's not in the scriptures. It's not an article of faith or salvation. Another tra- the other tradition I wanted to stick out there was the rabbis, as usual, argue about everything, but they argued that, they seemed to agree that Isaac was maybe in his 30s. So we're going to look at the verses just a few, one at a time, not all of them, and I'll read them. So we have a situation where we have, at the command of God, a father is going up a hill, Moriah, it turns out, it is, it's in Jerusalem, with a young man in his 30s who has bound on his back the wood he's going to die on, climbing the hill to his own execution voluntarily. And I propose to you, I'm going to read you some specific words from the lines, that there was more than one father and one son going up that hill. I think there was two. And I think Abraham might have seen him. I'll tell you what in a minute. So we'll go Genesis 22. We're jumping. Um, this is the place where God asks Abraham, give me your son as an Allah. Uh, this is, by the way, this is the first place 
in the wall of Torah that they use the word acha ochev, achavta, the son that you achavta, for love, but this happens to be the first of a lot of things. Then he says, he also, God says, kachna, please, take your son, please, and give him to me for Allah. What's in Allah? God wasn't asking him just to kill him. What's in Allah? We'll read later in Leviticus what's in Allah. It's required that all of the sacrifice gets burnt and go up in smoke. And if you can't fit it on the altar, you got to cut it in pieces, and piled the pieces and burned them all. So God wasn't asking Abraham only by these words to kill him. He was saying butcher him. And when we get to the portion, it does not use the word kill. It says he took the knife to butcher, lishkot, our word shoikit, kosher butcher, cuts the pieces so they fit in the bag. You can take it home to eat. God didn't ask him kill. He said butcher. Uh, God blessed the heart of Abraham and said, wow. <laughs> and also says he rose early to do this, that he didn't delay. He rose early. Um, the rabbis insist, when we get to that line, when it says how he arranged the wood, it says exactly what it looked like. The rabbis insist it looked like. I'll tell you in a second. Um, I'm going to start reading the Torah from around verse 6, where Abraham has already seen, he has looked and seen, it says he saw the place far off. And far in Hebrew, merchok, as it says, it can mean distance, but it's just like English. It can also mean in time. He saw something far off. might have been far away, but it might also have been later. He looked maybe, God told Abimelech, this man's a prophet. So maybe he saw something far off in time. Um, this, whatever he saw when he looked at the place, it affected him enough that he could turn to the two young men. He's just been told, go butcher your kid. And he can turn to the two young men with him and say, we're both going up and we're both coming back. You stay here with the chamor, with the donkey. We're both going up, we're both coming back. He saw something. Um, he saw something enough that when they're on their way up and Isaac says, um, eh, do the wood and the knife and the eh, where's the sheep? He asked specifically, where's the haseh, where's the lamb? And Abraham answers in words, God will provide his very own lamb for himself. It says, lo, he will provide, not for us, not for the situation. He says, God will provide, lo, for himself a lamb. Yes, it could be translated also, God will see himself, God himself will see to the lamb. But that's not the order of the words in Hebrew. I'm going to read them to you. Then it said, the rabbis insist, uh, in 9 and 6, when it says Abraham arranges the wood, that he put one long piece and a cross piece so he can attach Abraham, Isaac to it. Abraham saw something, and he tells his son, God's going to provide a lamb, and then he lays his son down on a cross. The rabbis insist it looked like this, that it was a cross. I don't know why, because if I was to go to my old rabbi and say, well, then why couldn't God do something miraculously on a cross a second time? No, we don't do the pashat on this, on this portion. We can't, no, no. It says he did something on a cross. So I don't have a problem as a Jew that he did something on a cross. Then it, again, it says in verse 10, he picked up the knife to butcher this young man. And suddenly a voice comes out of the heaven. And most of the rabbis and most of the Christian commentators say, Angel, it's Malach Hashem. 
mga kadunas, angel. Sep Rabbi the Radak, Rabbi David Timke says, no, that's God. I don't know what part of God, but some part of God's talking here. Ain't no angel, because the angel says, you have, I know that you fear God because you didn't, he did, the angel, if it was an angel, he would have said, I know you fear God because you didn't withhold your son from the living God or Hashem or Adonai or Elohim. This person says, you didn't withhold your son from me. Me. And later, four or five verses down, this person says, I swear by myself. He didn't, angels don't swear by themselves. This ain't no angel talking. So the question that Rabbi Kimki brought up, so is this another person or is it God? Answer, yes. <laughs> God bless the Radak. He didn't see all the way, but part way. He saw some of them. Then I want to talk about what he see. None of the rabbis in the traditional commentaries say what. But if you go in John's Gospel, chapter 8, rabbis are arguing with Yeshua about don't you call us orphans or bastards. We have Abraham for our father. And Yeshua was like, yeah, if Abraham was your father, how come you don't act like him? And they're, well, how would you know what he was like? You're not even 50. You think you saw Abraham? And Yeshua, Yeshua never said he saw Abraham. Look at the words. Go around verse 56 or so in your own time. Have a look. Yeshua did not say he saw Abraham. He said, Abraham saw me. Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he looked, and he saw it. He was delighted. Amen. Amen. Uh, when you have time, go have a look throughout this portion. Some of the most beautiful names of God are in, spread throughout, of it, throughout it. He's called every kind of thing that he's not called again anywhere else. Everything from Lord God of the world to judge of the universe to every other kind of beautiful name. Study him on your own. Um, I just wanted to... Add one other thing. Isaac asked about a haseh. Will God provide a haseh? Abraham said, yeah, he's going to provide a haseh, a lamb. What showed up in the bush and got his horn stuck in the bush? was not a haseh. It was an ayil, a ram, an adult with long horns, big enough to get stuck in a hedge. When Barry was little, we always had to go to a petting zoo at the at the uh, stock show and every other place, we had to go pet little things. If you've ever gone to petting zoo, pet a lamb, does it have... No. Long, no. Hey, little nubbly. <laughs> little curls. He knows a baby. That's in Hebrew, that's a hasev. Young one, perfect one, not matured yet. What showed up on that hill with Abraham and Isaac at that time was an ayil, it was a ram. So when Abraham saw something and said, God's going to send the Haset, it wasn't that one. He saw a different one. Thank God. And it says in this, this portion, this is why it says, on the hill of the Lord, which can mean God will see, God will provide, God will take care of it, God will deal with it. Therefore, it is said, on this hill, God will deal with it. And amen, on that hill in Jerusalem, that lamb came and he did, and he did.